0: Turn with me in uh, your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verses 12 through 18. Um, so we're not in a sermon series today uh, or anything like that. I know we, we've been in uh, the series Life in the Spirit. Um, and my, uh, my sermon this morning actually kind of closely relates to that. We're going to be talking about uh, the ministry of the Spirit and the lives of the believer. Uh, and, and as you can see on the screens, uh, my points will be up there. Uh, But the sermon title this morning is Uncovering the Veil. All right. Um, So I want you to imagine something with me this morning, okay? So we're going to use our imagination today. Um, Picture with me a beautiful bride approaching her beloved, her betrothed. Now, traditionally, a bride will put a veil to cover her face as she is presented to the groom. Now, this is a symbol of the bride's purity, And when the father presents the bride to the groom, he lifts the veil from her face and gives her away. With an unveiled face, she makes a covenant before God to commit herself to her beloved. This act of removing the veil is a symbol of the new intimacy shared by bride and groom. With the veil removed, there is no longer any separation between them, and symbolically, the couple is unified. So in Scripture, we see a similar analogy between God and his people. Since the fall of man, uh, there has been separation between God and man, right? With Adam and Eve, when they when they sinned, right? There, there was that separation between God and man. There was no longer that perfect unity that they had, but there was that separation there. If we look at Israel, uh, when they built the temple of the when they built the temple, right, there was one room, okay, called the Holy of Holies. And this room, what it was, it was the last room in or area in the temple. It was tucked away to the very back of the temple, and no one was allowed to go in there because that's where the presence of God resided. That's where he was, and that's where it would stay. And the thing is, is that what it was covered by, the way that it was divided, there was this huge veil, right, this massive veil. And I don't know the dimensions of the veil, but I know we're talking, I just like used an analogy of the bride and her veil. And it's like, you think of that, you think of like this little sheer thing, like, oh, it's so pretty. But no, this was like a huge, thick veil that just like dropped to the ground. And it was just like, no one was getting in there, okay? Um, So just to put it in perspective for you, right, Uh, massive veil. And this Holy of Holies was separated from the rest of the temple, okay, uh, because it was to protect the people of God who could not fully behold God's presence. However, when Jesus came to earth as our mediator and perfect high priest, he suffered and died for our sake. And that veil signifying the separation of God and man was torn and man's separation from God came to an end. Can I hear an amen? amen? All right. So when Jesus came, when Jesus came and He died on the sin, uh, died on the sin. When Jesus came and died on the cross for our sin, right? Bible clearly describes how the veil in the temple was torn in half. And it's so interesting. If you look at that at face value, you might not think anything If you don't know the history of Israel and stuff like that, you might not think anything of it. But the tearing of the veil was so important because that meant that now there's no longer anything between us. There is nothing between us anymore but God. And, man, they are once again unified, right? Spoiler alert. That is what happened. But... Uh, So we once again had intimate access to our creator. This intimacy with God has done more than allow the spirit of God to live within us. When that separation ended, God took what was on the outside and put it on the inside. Right? Presence on the, he put that on the inside. Where in the covenant of Moses, the word of the Lord was written on tablets of stone. In the new covenant, God promised to write his laws on the tablets of our hearts. Right? And in and, and the scripture that we're going to be reading, Paul talks about um, how he talks about the differences between the old covenant and the new covenant. And we're going, to, we're going to jump into that a little bit more. Right? But in the covenant of Moses, God's spirit was removable. And and, and hear what I'm saying when I say that. Um, See, with us, with the Holy Spirit, God's presence resides in us at all times. For those who believe in him, the Holy Spirit comes and he dwells in us. But back then, the Spirit would only go on certain individuals at certain times for certain purposes. But it would not remain. It would not stay. But in the new covenant, we, God's people, are seen through the righteousness of Jesus Christ and God's Spirit never departs from us. How many of you are thankful for that today? Amen. In fact, the Word of God says that nothing can separate us from His love, and God's presence through His Spirit is an ever-fixed mark on the tablets of our hearts. We can rest in the knowledge of the hope we have in God, which this leads us into our first point this morning, and we're going to be talking about the ministry of the Spirit, talking about this new covenant, how the presence of God now dwells, resides in us. We're going to talk about how the ministry of the Spirit affects the believer. So the first thing the ministry of the Spirit does is it gives hope. Let's read this together, verses 12 through 13. Again, we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. Therefore, having such a hope, we use great boldness in our speech and are not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face so that the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end of what was fading away. All right, so now uh, Paul is using this imagery of veil, veiling again, okay? And we talked about the veil in the temple, but this is something a little bit different. And in order for us to understand that, we're going to take a look back at Exodus chapters 32 through 34. I'm not going to read that because that's really long, okay? So, but I encourage you in your time of study this week or devotion, uh, read it because it's really interesting. But here's the general idea of what goes on in those chapters in Exodus, okay? So this is when Israel has been delivered from the Egyptians, okay? They're delivered from the Egyptians. Moses leads them out. They cross the the sea, right? The The sea is split open for them. They're witnessing all these miracles. And now they arrive to Mount Sinai, okay? And that is where God is going to make a covenant with his people. Now, Moses was the only one that was allowed to meet with God, right? He was the only person. And when it, the first time that he was meeting with God on Mount Sinai, uh, you know, God gave him the covenant. Moses went down to the people, and Moses saw something that was pretty bad, right? <laughs> he saw something that was, like, just mind-boggling to him. But what the people of Israel did, and, and, just, and just understand this, they've been in slavery for 400 years, and then they've been finally set free, and these people, what they decided to do, the Israelites, they took their gold, they took their precious uh, precious items, and they made a gold calf out of it to worship. They're like, we need something to worship. Let's make a calf, and let's, and let's worship the calf, because we need something in front of us, right? So this Moses was just infuriated that he actually took the tablets and smashed them, and God was furious, of course, because he just made this covenant with his people. And Moses, what he had to do, he interceded for the people of Israel. He said, God, know that we are, that our people are sinning and, and they've turned from you. But Lord Jesus, do not destroy the nation of Israel. Do not destroy your people. So Moses met with God and, and God uh, made a, this new covenant. And that's where he wrote the Ten Commandments on these tablets of stone. And one last thing that Moses did ask of the Lord was, Lord, may I ask, can I see your glory? And, like, it's funny. I'm reading, like, these these things about Moses. I'm like, he's, like, bold. (laughs) I'm like, man, to, like, you know, discuss with God. Be like, no, God, don't do that. You know, I'm like, man, he's, like, a bold man. But he he asked the Lord to see his glory. The Lord said, all right, I'm going to hide you. In the, like, you know, by the, like in the rock area, whatever, so you can't see the fullness of it. He's like, I'm going to pass by you. You're only going to see my back. You're not going to see my face. Because beholding the face of God, right, like it would destroy a human being. <laughs> it, it would, it, like, it was just impossible for him to gaze upon the face of the Lord. But he did see the back. And and the glory of God was just so intense, it was so powerful, that it showed on his face, that it radiated from Moses' face. Like, think about that. When he descended from the mountain, people saw that. Whoa! What happened to him? <laughs> you know, it was just like, wow, Moses' face is shining. Like, it was so powerful that it, like, I, you know, I'll try, I, you know, like, these lights make me sweat and I'm shining, right? But, like, he was shining. He was beaming, right? But the thing was, The people of Israel could not look at the face of Moses because of the glory of God. They couldn't behold the glory of God. So what did Moses do? He had to put a veil in front of his face in order order to protect the people of Israel. So we're talking about how the ministry of the Spirit gives hope. And Paul finds hope in that. Why does he find hope in that? Because we see the like, just, like, talking about what the old covenant had, that they couldn't even behold the presence of God, the glory of God, they did not experience the intimacy of God that we experience. And I want want to put this in perspective for you. Think Think about it. I've grown up in the church my whole life, and I'm used to going to um, Sunday morning service. Every single week, I'm used to being up and playing music and uh, I'm used to just uh, gathering together with the people of God and just worshiping the Lord and praising the Lord and 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 learning Scripture and, and all these things and being able to pray and be able to come into God's presence. We are so lucky. <laughs> but looking at the people in the Old Covenant, they did not experience that. Right? What the... What we talked about earlier, how the presence of God, it was removable. It didn't, it rested on his people, but it did not dwell inside, but it dwells in us. Amen. God's presence dwells in us. And that is where Paul finds his hope. Because Paul, he was a Jew of, like, he was a Jew of Jews. He was the most. Um, you know, he was the most devout of Jews that he even persecuted and killed and put Christians in jail for how passionate he was about the old covenant. But when he experienced Jesus Christ, which will be my next point, but we're not going to get there yet. But when he experienced Jesus Christ, when he experienced that, he experienced the new covenant, which was God's presence in him. And that's why Paul is, is so confident that's why Paul says we use great boldness in our speech is because he is confident of what is inside of him he is confident of the law that is written in his heart he is confident that it's the Holy Spirit at work inside of him and the thing is Paul if you read in 2 Corinthians this is Paul's most personal letter he talks about how he's been he's being opposed by these false teachers who are trying to get his church like Paul's the church that Paul like helped right he's trying to get these false teachers are swaying them in believing that paul is false that the gospel that paul preaches is false and like he's just like a little off you know and and paul is facing so much opposition but but paul writes here that he is confident he's telling the people that i am confident not in the flesh not because i'm a great speaker not because i'm a great writer not because of any of that but i'm confident because of the spirit of god that lives inside of me And I know that the gospel that I preached, I know that the gospel that I preached, that that spirit also dwells in you. That that same spirit dwells in you. That's what Paul finds hope in, right? Knowing that even even his words, even the things that he speaks, the truth that he speaks, it doesn't fall to the ground, but it penetrates the heart because it's God's spirit that penetrates that. Right. And it's and it's the same thing for for us today. Right. It's the same thing. And, you know, and and sometimes we we talk about it so much how like, yeah, the Holy Spirit is living inside of me. But like, let's stop and think about that for a second. I'm going to 10 seconds of you might the first three seconds may seem awkward because I'm actually going to give 10 seconds of silence. But I want you to actually think about this morning, that the presence of God dwells in you. It's amazing. The spirit of the living God is written on our hearts. God stamps us with the Holy Spirit and promises to remain in us. You know, when we are weak, when we fail, when we feel alone, whatever we go through, the hope that we have is that the Holy Spirit lives in us. And that's all that we need. You know, like, really. Like, thank God we have each other. Like, it would be really lonely without you guys. It really would be. But, like, but just think about it. If it ever came to a point where I was, you know, completely isolated or or whatever, like, you know, God's Spirit is with us. You know, it's beautiful. And that's the hope that Paul has. That's the hope that we have today. And we, and we also, right, with that hope, it's like in the new covenant, God gives us a glimpse of what is to come as well. That right now we see in part, but we're ultimately going to see um, just the, the complete fullness of his glory one day, that we're going to arrive and we're going to see that, right? That's the hope that we have. Amen. The next point that that we see the ministry of the Spirit is that it points to Christ. The Holy Spirit points to Christ. Let's read verses 14 through 16 together. Uh, But their minds were hardened, for until this very day at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted, because it is removed in Christ. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. But whenever a person turns to the Lord... The veil is taken away. So again, we see the imagery of a veil, right? To describe the spiritual state of Israel. So, you know, your Paul's talk is talking about Israel. Uh, He's talking about their hardness of heart. He's, he goes on to describe back in Exodus how the, how, right, how we saw from the very beginning that Israel rebelled against the Lord even when God was making a covenant with them. They rebelled and they made a golden calf to worship. And all throughout Israel's history, they would turn to pagan idols. They would turn away from, away from the Lord and they would focus, focus on, on other gods or they would focus on other things, on immorality. Their whole history. Their whole history. And and what Paul is saying here is that um, how like even today, even in in his time, even at at that point in time, he said that even though that this new covenant has come, they're still living like they're in the old covenant. How they're still living like that. Right? They're still they still have that hardness of heart. And and right, because God knew that Israel needed a savior. Israel knows that they need a savior. And, and the old, so God sent his only son to fulfill that old covenant and usher in the new. However, because of their hardness of heart, the nation of Israel was unable to see that Jesus was the fulfillment of the law. From the beginning, Israel was hardened to the revelation of God's glory in their midst. And, you know, and, and here, Paul isn't bashing the old covenant Paul isn't bashing the Old Testament even, because usually when we think of the Old Covenant, we think of the Old Testament, right? We think of like, oh, that's in the past. But the thing is, is that he's not bashing those things, but what he's saying, he's like, in the newness, with the new covenant, everything makes sense now. That you can't just stay in one spot, because you're missing out on the whole picture. You're missing out on the whole narrative of God's redemptive story for humanity if you stay here. That's what he's saying. That's why he's urging his brothers, his Jewish brothers and sisters. He's like, hey, like, you know, have you ever, have you ever, like, figured something out that was so important to you, and when you finally figure that something out, you want to just tell everyone, and they might not respond to you, and they'll be like, oh, okay. I'm like, just sometimes I'm like, oh, man, like, you know, I'll, like, say something, and then someone's, like, not there with me, and I'm like, dang it. It's like, come on, this is so cool. But that's what Paul's saying. He's like, "This is life and death too." He's like, "Guys, like, look, look what, look what Jesus has done. Look how all of this makes sense now. How, look how the Old Testament, the Old Covenant was pointing towards what, where we're living today." But he said they still have a hardness of heart. The thing is, Paul's like, "I was there, but Jesus came. Jesus knocked me off my horse in Damascus, blinded me, for me to get it." But he was like, I had an encounter with Jesus, and that removed the veil from my face. You know, and, and I don't know if Israel's always been like a soft spot for me, because I've been there and I've just seen uh, the people and just how much they love God. But man, we, we need to really pray for Israel, you know. We really need to pray for Israel. We need to pray that, you know, God opens their eyes to, to what has come. What has come. And even though we're talking about Israel here, this is applicable to us today. Because the ministry of the Holy Spirit always points to Jesus. It always points to Jesus, right? It says that only through Jesus Christ is the veil lifted from our faces. Only through Him. His role, the Spirit, is to help us become more like Christ and to grow deeper in the knowledge of Him. Though um, we were once separated from God and did not understand the truth, right? So, like, for us, we were, we were separated. We had to make a decision one day. We had to respond to Christ in order to follow him. But one day, there was a veil in front of us, in front of our faces, where we could not see the truth, where we could not experience the truth. But when we hear the message of the gospel, right, when we hear the message of the gospel, the Holy Spirit begins to work in our hearts in order for us to respond to Christ. And I remember when I gave my heart to the Lord. I remember, you know, I just I remember that time, that moment. And I remember how the Lord was working on my heart. And I just like, I just remember just the Holy Spirit, like... Uh, pointing to me and saying like you need a savior and like and I know many and I know that we've all come to that point where the Holy Spirit has worked on us so that we could respond to Christ and we could respond to his grace so that we could walk in his ways and when we respond to when we respond to Christ the Holy Spirit works in us so that our lives point people to Christ Right, so that our lives point people to Christ. And, and this even kind of goes off with Pastor Bobby's sermon last week, talking about the parable of the sower. And our job, our goal, right, our goal is to point people to Christ. We're all minister. Paul's talking about his job as a minister of the new covenant. But we're all ministers of the new covenant. We're all under the new covenant, and we're all called to minister. We're all called to share with those around us, Right? Not everyone's going to stand here and preach. Not everyone's going to lead music. Not everyone's going to teach Sunday school. Not everyone's going to do that. But we're all called to something. We're all called to grow in our knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we're all called to share that. We are. And just as Pastor Bobby had said last week, you know, we're not the ones to judge the heart, but it's the Holy Spirit. It's God. Leave that up to God. But we know, right, that when we speak the truth of the gospel, when we preach Christ, when we speak that, that those aren't just words. Those aren't just words. Those aren't just, you know, that are just going to bounce off someone's ear and fall to the ground. No, those are like the those are living words that are going to penetrate hearts and souls. And you have no idea when someone is ready or when someone is not. But that doesn't matter. We, we just share that. We just share that, and we let the Holy Spirit do His work. The Holy Spirit points people to Christ, and I want my life constantly to point to Christ, constantly. you know? And everything. And, it, and even as I was writing this message, that, you know, it's so funny, um, you know sometimes I, sometimes I get scared and nervous, and I was scared and nervous about speaking this morning. And I have to be reminded constantly that, like, hey, what am I preaching? I'm preaching about the confidence, the boldness, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, that the Spirit of the living God lives inside of me. That's pointing me to knowing that my dependency comes from Christ and not from myself. You know? So it's like we're always being pointed to Christ. We're always being pointed that way. The Holy Spirit is always pointing in that direction. Jesus even said himself that, you know um, it's better for you that I should go so that the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, could come and dwell within you because He's going to point you to the truth. He is going to point to you. And I just thank God for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I really do. I'm so thankful that it's here to stay, that it remains, that it doesn't leave, but that when you choose to, when you follow after Christ, when you uh, follow after His ways, when you allow Him to come into your life and to. Uh, you know, let His Holy Spirit just come and rearrange the things of your life, and to do and to do those things right. Like it's just it's amazing of like what He does, of what He does. The last point this morning, we're going to be talking about how the ministry of the Spirit reveals God's glory in His people. And I absolutely love this this these next few verses. Um, they're, they're famous verses, and we're going to unpack these together. Uh, But let's read this. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Hmm. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. All right, now the Lord is the Spirit. Though they are different persons, right? We believe in, in God the Father. We believe in God the Son, who is Jesus Christ. We believe God the Holy Spirit, right? They're three different persons, but they're one, right? That is what we believe as a church. And the thing is, is that them working as one means that they're all on the same page. They all have the same mind. They're all working together and working out God's purpose, now listen to this. Christ transforms the inner lives of men because the Spirit takes of what is His, Christ. right? The Spirit takes of what is Christ's and reveals it to them. Christ transforms the inner lives of men because the Spirit takes of what is Christ's and reveals it to them. Right? So Christ is at work in us because the Spirit is at work in us. Amen? The ministry of the Spirit reveals God's glory in his people, which means that we are being transformed into the image of God more and more as we walk in his ways. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And liberty from what? In this context, Paul is talking about liberty from the law, but he also is talking about liberty from sin, liberty from shame, liberty from from fear, liberty from guilt, all those things, you're free from that. But the most amazing thing is that you're set free so that you can serve God, so that you can follow God. Because before, right, when we had veiled face, we weren't able to serve God. We were living for ourselves. We were living for our desires. But when Christ came and removed that veil, now we are free to serve the Lord. We are free to serve the Lord. There is liberty in that. There is liberty in that. There is so much liberty in that. And, But we all, with unveiled face, and now he's talking to us believers, right? For those who believe, he's saying, like, you with unveiled face. Now it's not talking about veiling of faces, but unveiling of faces. You, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord not that really cool? Beholding as it, and we talked about how in the old covenant, they couldn't behold the glory of the Lord. But now us, we are under the new covenant, we're able to behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. It's beautiful because we are reflections of the image of Christ. At least we're being transformed into that, right? But when God sees us, he sees Christ's righteousness, And it's not because of the works that we do, but when God looks at us, he sees Christ's righteousness because of the work that Christ is doing in us. And the thing is, is that when the Holy Spirit comes inside of us, then we're displaying the glory of God. God is using our lives to display his glory to the nations. So we're as in like a mirror, we're reflecting the glory of the Lord. Amen. Amen. And we're being transformed into that same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. We're being transformed. It's this, um, the theme of sanctification comes up here. And what sanctification is, right, it's at the moment of salvation, at the moment where you're saved, it's that onward process of becoming more and more like Christ until the day that you die and until the day that you reach, until the day that you get to heaven where... Everything is perfect, but sanctification is that process at salvation onward for the rest of your days, right? From glory to 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 glory. Like every day is glory, glory, right? Until you reach that day where we get to see the fullness of the glory of God. Amen? But what does that mean, going from glory to glory? I know we hear that, and it sounds good. Yeah, from glory to glory. Woo! Yeah. But what does that mean? You know, what does that mean? But it's like going from glory to glory. Again, it's that sanctification. It's going from it's you being transformed into the glory of God. And and sometimes, because I, I kind of came from this mindset where I thought glory to glory was going from a mountaintop experience to a mountaintop experience where like everything was awesome, going to everything is awesome, and and then oh God, bad day, bad day. All right no glory today, and then, like, back to, you know? But no, glory to glory is every single day of your lives where you're becoming more like Christ, where where that where Jesus is being revealed in your life each and every day. That is what going from glory to glory is. And, and the cool thing, right, when we ask, like, you know, Moses asked, like, Lord, show me your glory. Like, we don't have to ask, like, well, we, you know, we ask for, because the Lord displays his glory in so many different ways through miracles, through uh you know, through financial blessing, through healing, through all these things, you know, but a big way that God reveals His glory is through you and I. So, So when I ask, you know, God, show me your glory, look around. No, for real. Look around this morning. It's amazing because Because of this new covenant, right? The ministry of the Spirit has done a work inside each and every person. And each and every one of us has a different testimony. Each and every person is at a different point in their lives. But the thing is, is that that's the most amazing miracle of all. is how God has transformed people like myself. You know, people like you. How God has taken you and transformed you. And how you now are displaying the glory of God. You know, like that, it's just, and God is just so cool. Like, it's just so, it's beautiful the way that He does these things because He wants us to come on board with what He's doing with His mission. And we are a part of His mission. We are. It's a testimony of God's grace in our lives. Doesn't mean that glory doesn't mean that we're perfect, but it means that we're on a journey heading towards that day when we will see Jesus face to face. And that's why like, I'm, I'm excited to be a part of like your journey in going from glory to glory. And some of you are part of my journey from going to glory to glory. And we witness that in each other. And I think that's what builds up our faith. And that's even what displays God's glory is seeing God's glory being worked out in each other's lives, right? Isn't that cool? Like you're seeing that being worked out in each other's lives. That even through someone's going through a hard time, like, you know, God's glory is being displayed in them. God's working in and through them. And that when, you know, when I'm having a hard time or when I'm weak and I'm being encouraged and when God's word is being activated in my life, that's me going from glory to glory. And you're seeing that in my life. Like, you know, we get to be a part of each other's lives and seeing us grow together until we reach that day. It's beautiful. It really is. It really is beautiful. And I hope that you're encouraged by that this morning, church. I hope that you're encouraged knowing that, like, you know, we have a very important job. We display the glory of God wherever we go, right? We have a very important job, and God wants to use you. The ministry of the Spirit gives hope. We aren't doing life on our own, but God's Spirit has marked us and has a work in us. And music team, you could come up uh, on stage. But God's Spirit has marked you and, has, and is at work in you. The ministry of the Spirit points people to Christ. It's all because of his sacrifice that we are here today. The Spirit wants to point us to Christ in everything that we do. And he also wants to use us to point people to Christ. And finally, the ministry of the Spirit reveals God's glory and his people Our lives, right, like beholding a mirror, we reflect the glory of God because of the spirit that is inside of us. Because of God's presence now lives inside of us. What was on the outside before now lives on the inside. That's where Paul finds his hope. We don't have to be afraid because God desires to use your life to display his glory. Let him. That's my challenge that you let him